The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Hoar, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, April 26, 2020, on the basis of 1 Peter 1, verses 17 through 21. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. What if things were different? Evidently, that is a question that occupies the human imagination, at least judging by the number of books and TV shows and movies where that's really the the central question. What if things were different? So we might think of stories, for example, where the time stays the same, but the place somehow magically changes. The characters are transported to some alternative universe that exists simultaneously with ours. Think of stories like The Wizard of Oz, or The Chronicles of Narnia, or Alice in Wonderland, or a story like Stranger Things for a more recent example. Then there are also those stories where the place stays the same, but it's the time that changes, where the characters are transported ahead into the future or back into the past, and not just to observe things, but actually to influence things. And once again, to create this alternate universe where everything is different. You might remember that scene from Back to the Future 2, where Doc Brown is trying to explain how this works to Marty McFly. What if things were different? Throughout the season of Easter, the focus of our worship really revolves around this powerful thing called hope. The message of Easter is that because Jesus is alive, hope is also alive. And yet as we think about the hope that Easter delivers, we might be tempted to think that it's a hope that only makes a difference for our future. In fact, we might even be tempted to picture it this way, that whether someone has the hope of Easter or not, it seems as though we're all on the same path, almost as if we're being carried through life on the same conveyor belt. And it's only when that conveyor belt reaches its end that the path splits. The conveyor belt dumps some people into one bin and other people into another. And yet when it comes to the hope that we need and the hope that we seek in life, evidently that's not enough. I mean, sure, it's nice to know that Easter makes a difference for our future, and yet we still wonder and imagine and ask, what if things were different now? Thankfully, as we look at these verses that are in front of us today, the Apostle Peter is going to tell us that they are. In fact, he's going to tell us that that point where the conveyor belt splits and that different path emerges is not some point way off in the distant future. It's actually a point in time back in our past. The second Jesus emerged alive from his grave is really the point where that conveyor belt split and that different path emerged. And because that is the case, we don't need to be transported to some different time or some different place. Everything can stay exactly the same, and yet, because of Easter, everything is already very much different. And this isn't just in our imagination. This isn't just in fictional fantasy land. This is in cold, hard reality. As we look at these verses from 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning, we're going to see that because of Easter, we already live in an alternate universe. Really, in these verses, Peter describes two parallel universes, two alternate realities, and sort of places them side by side for us to consider As he talks about the first one, he describes it as the way of life 
that has been handed down to us by our ancestors. In other words, it's sort of our factory setting. It's the way of life that we're just naturally born into. And in this way of life, the goal is to look around at our current circumstances, the conditions in which we live and the events that consist of our, that the events of which our lives consist, and to figure out how we can make them better. So we might have a job already, but we want a better job. We might have a house already, but we want a bigger house. We might have already achieved one degree or mastered one skill, but we want to do the same with the next one. And if that's the case, if that's the goal for life in this universe, then the things that are valuable in this first universe are the things that are going to help us achieve that goal. Things like money and power, things like fame and popularity, things like ingenuity and technology. Peter has something to say about this first way of life, life in this first universe. He calls it empty. He doesn't call it evil, he just calls it empty. People may very well accomplish a great deal of good in this first way of life. They might accomplish all kinds of things that make their lives and the lives of others better in all kinds of wonderful ways. And yet Peter wants us to know that our ability to take our current circumstances and improve them will reach a very inevitable and quite literal dead end. Eventually that conveyor belt runs out of real estate. And because that is the case, Peter also has something to say about the things that are valuable in this way of life. Things like money and power, things like gold and silver, as he says. Peter calls them perishable. Yes, they have the ability to make a big difference in our lives, but that difference is only temporary. So that's sort of like the first universe, the first way of life. Now Peter describes the second and in this way of life, the goal is not to look around at our current circumstances and try and improve them. The goal instead is to realize that we need to be rescued out of them. In this way of life, we, we look around and far from concluding that this world is a perfectly suitable home for us that maybe just needs to be spruced up a bit, we instead look around at our current circumstances and realize that they are ultimately a, a prison in which we are trapped, a prison that we need to be rescued out of. And if that's the case, then the things that have value in this universe, this way of life, are going to be very different from the things that have value in the other way of life. In this way of life, gold and silver can't really do us a whole lot of good. What can? Well, Peter tells us. He talks about the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So Jesus Christ, God's own son, come to earth to be a lamb. To be a person whose entire job, whose entire reason for existence was to be a sacrifice, to lay down his life, to shed his blood, and to die. I mean, think about that. Death is the very thing that causes that other way of life to reach its inevitable dead end, but death is also the thing that causes this way of life, this way of being rescued out of our current circumstances, to begin. Two completely alternate universes, two completely parallel realities that Peter describes, and it sort of forces us to ask, which one have I been living in? You know, as I think about that first way of life, that, that way of life that we're naturally born into, 
I think a word that maybe describes it more than any other is simply that word, more. If really our goal in life is simply to improve our current circumstances, then how often don't we tell ourselves that all we need in order to do that is just a little bit more? It's just going to take a little bit more hard work or a little bit more thinking outside the box. It's going to take a little bit more discipline or a little bit more willpower. It's going to take a little bit more formal education or a little bit more real-world experience. It's going to take a little bit more money or a little bit more recognition. Of course, one thing we for sure need more of if we're going to put any of those things to use and to work in our lives, we all need more time. And again, that doesn't mean that any of those things is evil. Peter simply calls them empty. Peter wants us to know that as much as they can and will make a difference in our lives, that difference has a very fixed and very hard limit. Their ability to improve our circumstances comes to an end the second our lives come to an end. And I don't know about you, but that's the thing that's really easy to forget. That's the truth about, about life in that first universe that is so easy to ignore. You know, when I think about life in, in that first kind of universe that Peter describes, I think it is just so perfectly embodied by those two disciples who were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus on the afternoon of that first Easter Sunday. Those two disciples had been fully convinced that Jesus was the one who was going to change all of their circumstances. Jesus was going to make everything better. Jesus was the one who was going to set Israel free from the oppressive Roman rule. He was going to restore Israel's borders and its glory and its power. And what had convinced them that Jesus was the one to do all of this? Well, as they said, it was his powerful words and his powerful deeds. And no doubt they were convinced that if there had just been time for more of those powerful words and deeds, then all of the hopes that they had put in Jesus would at some point be fully realized. What had caused all of those hopes to come crashing to the ground? Jesus had died. Death sort of makes it impossible for there to be any more powerful words and powerful deeds. And so what did Jesus say to them? What did Jesus help them see? Jesus pointed to the very things that had caused them to lose hope. And he wanted them to see that those were the things that he had actually used to accomplish his mission. He had to suffer. He had to die, just as the scriptures said. Jesus wanted to open their eyes to this completely alternate universe, a place where everything was different. Not the events, not the circumstances, not the people and the place and the things that had happened, but, but what those things meant, what they were seeing about those things. Easter was proof that this completely alternative reality from the one that they were seeing had already been established. And that's exactly what Peter says to us in these verses. How do we know? How do we know with absolute certainty that the one way of life is completely empty and the other way of life is not well, Peter tells us that God raised Jesus from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Easter means that we are already living in this alternative universe. Everything that has value for improving our current circumstances comes to an end when our life comes to an end. 
But in this alternative universe, God has taken the very thing that is most worthless for improving our circumstances, and he has made it the most priceless for rescuing us out of those circumstances. We don't need to be transported to some different time or different place with different events and different conditions. Even with everything staying exactly the same, Easter has made everything different. And seeing that, having our eyes open to that, that makes all the difference. In fact, that's exactly why Peter is saying the things that he's saying in these verses. It's because of the difference that it will make in our lives right here and right now. Because Easter has already established this alternative universe, Peter tells us to live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So live out your time on earth as a foreigner. If you've ever visited a foreign country before, you know what it's like to be in a place that operates on principles that are very different from the ones that you're used to. In a foreign country, there is a different language being spoken. There's a different currency being used. There are different values and different goals. And while you are in that foreign country, it's only natural that you would also operate by some of those same principles but you know, of course, all the while that you're not going to stay there forever. Pretty soon you're going to leave. In fact, the, the place that really popped into my head when I thought about these verses and, and Peter's encouragement to live as foreigners, it wasn't a foreign country. It was actually an arcade. An arcade is an alternate universe in its own right, isn't it? In an arcade, there are goals that are very different from the goals in the real world. Those cheap chintzy toys that are hanging behind the counter, things that, that normally we would care very little about. In the universe of the arcade, those become the things that we are obsessed with. In the universe of the arcade, there's also a very different currency, little paper tickets that in the real world would have no worth whatsoever, suddenly become priceless commodities in the world of the arcade. In the world of the arcade, skills that have no use in the real world suddenly become very valuable. The ability to, to take a wooden ball and roll it accurately up a ramp or to take a plastic toy gun and shoot imaginary deer that are running across a screen. These are the things that define success in the world of the arcade. And it's all very fun and all very enjoyable so long as you remember that it's temporary. In fact, maybe you've witnessed someone forget that. Maybe you've seen a child, for example, forget that there is life outside of the world of the arcade. And suddenly there are tears flowing from their eyes when the game is lost. Suddenly there is anger and jealousy bubbling up in their hearts when they see another child that is even one more paper ticket than they have. Suddenly you see their dreams dashed and their hopes crushed when they are not able to get a cheap plastic toy, but instead they need to settle for a cheap plastic toy that's just a little bit smaller. If we forget that there's an, alter an alternate universe, a life outside of the world of the arcade, then life inside the world of the arcade is completely ruined. Friends, because of Easter, we live in an alternate universe, one where the goals are different, the values are different, where the definitions of success and failure are very different. And so even as we live and spend our time in this universe, we do so knowing that we're just passing through, knowing that we are not here 
to stay. We do so, as Peter describes, living out our time as foreigners. And we do so, as Peter says, in reverent fear. That doesn't mean that we walk through life completely and constantly afraid. It does mean that as we go through life, we are completely and constantly in awe. A couple weeks back, I mentioned that I've been reading this book that's all about the World's Fair that was held in Chicago back in 1893. That World's Fair was actually the World's Fair immediately after the one held in Paris in 1889. And it was at that World's Fair, the one in Paris, when France had unveiled this massive thousand-foot tall, wrought iron structure that was unlike anything the world had ever seen. A beautiful and magnificent tower that was named after its designer, a man by the name of Gustav Eiffel. So as Chicago prepared for its World Fair, one of its biggest goals was that its fair would feature something even more impressive, even more awe-inspiring than Eiffel's tower. At first, all of the suggestions that they were receiving from architects and engineers all over the country really all revolved around building something that was even taller and even more magnificent. And yet after a while, they realized that all they were trying to do was simply out Eiffel, Eiffel. They were simply trying to do something that he had already done, only maybe just do it a little bit bigger and a little bit better. So instead, they decided to do something completely different. In the end, they, they didn't build a tower at all. Instead, they built a wheel, a massive 250-foot tall wheel that was suspended above the ground as if in midair, hanging from a, a single central axle. And not only did that giant wheel rotate around that axle, but there were actually 36 passenger cars attached to the wheel, passenger cars that could hold in total more than 2,000 people who would rotate along with the wheel as it went round and round. This never-before-seen wheel was also named after the man who designed it, an engineer from Pittsburgh by the name of George Washington Gale Ferris. Ferris's wheel was unlike anything anyone had ever seen. And so when it opened up at the Chicago World's Fair, it was the most popular attraction in the entire exposition. What does it mean to, to walk through life in reverent fear or in constant awe? It means knowing that as God goes to work in our lives, he doesn't simply try to out-mankind mankind. As he goes to work, he doesn't simply try to do the very same things that we're trying to do, only maybe do them a little bit bigger or a little bit better. No, instead he does something completely different, something completely new, something never before seen or heard of on planet Earth. He takes those things that the world considers to be so valuable for changing our current circumstances, things like wealth and power, and he has no use for them, he instead takes things that the world considers to be utterly worthless, ultimately death itself, and he makes that the most priceless commodity in rescuing us out of our current circumstances. He did that first in Jesus' life, which means that we can rest assured he will do that in our lives too. As we think about the biggest 
and best things that God is accomplishing in our lives, we can know with absolute certainty that it won't be by using the things that the world considers to be so worthy and valuable. Instead, it will be using the things that the world considers utterly worthless. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like in your life, but I do know that Easter proves that is the case. That is how God works. And the more that we can see that, the more that our eyes are open to that, the more that we will walk around experiencing and feeling what all those people no doubt felt the first time they saw Ferris's wheel. We will walk through life experiencing what Peter calls reverent fear. We will walk through life in complete and total awe. Friends, this alternate universe that Easter has established in so many ways is stranger than fiction. It is stranger than than anything anyone has ever imagined, stranger than Oz, stranger than Narnia, stranger than even Alice's Wonderland. But of course, it's infinitely better too. And so we don't have to sit around and ask. We don't have to wonder or imagine what if things were different. The second Jesus emerged alive from his grave, that conveyor belt split off and that alternative path emerged. And from that point forward, things would forever be different. And not only that, but just as he did for those two disciples, Jesus continues to use his word to open our eyes so that we can see it. So that we can see that because of Easter, everything is different. And yes, that makes all the difference. Amen.